0: This episode of the Door County Pulse Podcast is brought to you in part by the Door County Community Foundation, inspiring people to give back, to sustain, and advance the community that we love. To learn more, visit givedoorcounty.org. Hello, and welcome to the Door County Pulse Podcast. I'm Andrew Clayton, and I'm joined today by Miles Stanhausen, writer and editor for The Pulse. How's it going, Miles?
1: It's going good, Andrew. How are you doing? I'm
0: doing all right. Uh, we have a kind of an interesting one today. So uh, last time on the podcast, we had talked about the Door County Board of Supervisors meeting to vote on pursuing a countywide masking ordinance. And we went into how that meeting was kind of confusing, but w- maybe we'll we'll talk about it a little bit more again today. The, the reason that I wanted to talk to you today, though, is you... Saw the vote uh, they voted not to pursue a masking ordinance, uh, but it was a pretty complicated issue, and you dug into that vote a little bit more and found some interesting things. You uh, put an article out on July thirteenth kind of breaking down what you saw and what you learned as you were making phone calls to people who voted uh, and I wanted to talk to you about that whole journey to to try to figure out what you figured out so let's let's start from right after the meeting happened. Uh, why did you decide to look further into the votes
1: well like anything right now, there's, um, like oh, well, any municipality right now, a lot of them are doing meetings remotely. Um, there are still some that are meeting in person, but doing them through Zoom or any sort of conference call software, um, often with a combination of people available in person, in a room, in uh, individually by video, and then also some, in some cases by phone. And that is the case that you had here in, at that county board meeting. So... You ha- you're not all in one room. It's not as easy to follow for both the supervisors and uh, the public who's watching or a reporter like me who's watching. And to clarify, like as per like the, the rules of order, um, Dave Lee and I would say like calling it a vote is not quite accurate, because they didn't have a motion on the floor, so there was no vote to take an action. But they did he did do a poll to gauge the consensus of the room. And the consensus of the room was to not move forward with a masking order. Um, and so that was the big takeaway for everyone watching it was, okay, the county board just essentially voted not to move forward with the masking order. Um, but in watching that, because he he did that that consensus poll by a show of hands, not a roll call, but a show of hands, that made it very difficult for myself to to know how people voted or even to tally what the actual vote was. And then nobody announced that result in the moment. And based on the, because you're watching this and you have the main conference room, the main board of supervisors chambers, where there's about 10 of the supervisors in that room. Then you have individual screens, thumbnails across the bottom of your screen with different supervisors. And then you have one supervisor who had called in by phone. There was in the how quickly that tally was taken. I had no idea how to, how to add it up myself to verify... Right what was going on. So a lot of complications there. And then there was other people who contacted me to say, what was the tally? Everyone wanted to know how people voted. Um, A lot of people were saying like, all right, we got to vote them all out. And a, that's not, there's so many problems with that. One is like getting people to understand like what this was, you know, this consensus gauge of the room versus an actual vote. I think to most of us, that's purely semantics. That's um, right. But that
0: was, that was my thing too.
1: (laughs) but from a legal standpoint yes they didn't actually vote and that that would trigger different ways of how this would come back to the board and all that kind of things but and there's no nothing that says like they still can't vote on this in the future the meeting started with Ken Pappick saying that there would be no vote that the that since they had not published written an ordinance and published it for public review they couldn't vote on it without that so that's how the whole thing started and it was said that it was all educational purposes but then they they did that poll at the end and they said, oh, well, I guess we don't move forward with the masking ordinance. So that that was all very, um, it was confusing to watch. It's confusing to try and gauge what happened. I had a lot of people saying, well, how, like pissed off at their supervisors and one way or the other, most of them, most people ticked off that they didn't vote for the mat- masking order because they didn't get what they wanted. And deservedly, they get, they should know how their supervisor feels on an issue that almost every supervisor that I talked to told me that this was the most feedback they've ever received on any issue ever. Dan Austad, who has served 37 years on the county board, said most months he might get one or two phone calls about an issue. In this one, he got 50 calls in two days. Right. So obviously it's something that important and controversial. Um, I, th- I think the voters do deserve to know how their supervisor stands, not necessarily just to say, okay, I'm going to vote you out or um, to be pissed off at them, but also, okay, maybe they want to make a phone call and have a conversation with their supervisor and try and convince them to vote otherwise next time if they, if that's, they so choose. So right. um, I started Saturday morning calling around. Well, first I, I called to try and find out what the official tally was. And there really wasn't one, although Dave now said his count in the moment came to nine to seven. Um, In talking to all the supervisors that I couldn't confirm by video or screenshots that I had taken, I came up with a tally of eight people for a countywide masking ordinance, eight people against moving forward with a masking ordinance. So even if you're saying this is a gauging the temperature of the room consensus vote, not a real vote, well, there was no consensus.
0: Right. Yeah. If if you're that close in actual votes, then that signals to me that more discussion should be had.
1: Yeah. And more discussion will be had. And and the, and the this is not to like throw Dave now under the bus. He, he is a proponent of the masking ordinance. So it's not like he was just trying to, I, I don't think people should come away with the impression because I know some people will be like, well, he must be trying to manipulate it so we don't get a masking ordinance. Um, that would be a weird way to go about it if you are in favor of it. I think running these meetings is weird. The... Dave Lee now in the moment probably saw it as like, okay, this is a step one in an educational process, and that's what he has said. But to the viewers of a meeting, to nine out of 10 people who would watch a meeting like that, you'd come away with it feeling like the board just said that that was the end of the issue. Right. So um a lot of public I, confusion.
0: Yeah, I have, I have two kind of questions to follow up on that confusion. So the the other thing, just in terms of how how messy the consensus was... Uh, you had people who had left the meeting early, knowing that there wouldn't be a vote. You had people who were in the bathroom at the time of the vote. You, of course, had the person on the on the phone who couldn't actually visibly vote. Um, you had a lot of things going on, which signals to me that like any consensus that would have been taken would not have been accurate to you know the the definition of the word consensus, right? When you don't have everybody there available to put their input in.
1: Yeah. And I I should explain like what a consensus vote might be used for. And because some people might say, well, it should always be on the record. Part of it is like a bit of a time-saving measure. Um, Part of it is that I've been on boards. I've watched a ton of board meetings. Not everybody is very good at making a motion, like literally coming up with the language to make the motion, record what the motion is, and then record the tally and go through all the Roberts rules of order. So there are some issues that you're just trying to gauge like where you want to go with something. And... So you might go, you might have discussion about a topic that isn't like an action item on an agenda. And you might talk about it for a little while and then say, okay, so what we're hearing in the room, um, I'm generally hearing that we want to move ahead with, you know, putting garbage cans at X park, you know. And is there any objection to that? And the whole board is just silent. And you go, okay, so the consensus is we want to instruct our town maintenance department to do that. You might do something like that. Um, or on a nonprofit board or something that's not necessarily a municipal government, you might do something like that even more often. But if it's if you do something like that, but then it comes back as like 50-50, well, that's not a consensus. That's not it's not so simple. So that's just that's just some background on like how those are used. Um, there's I talked to the League of Wisconsin municipalities, they said there's really not like a a guideline for how to use those or or a standing for those types of votes um and that's what Dave Lee and I would say is this was just trying to gauge what the room wants to do. The problem for me was, okay, but then we counted wrong <laughs> so.
0: right. well, I guess my second question then is if the vote had been a little bit more clearly in favor of pursuing this order, what would have been different at that meeting?
1: um I think the so let's say it had been. So first of all, let's clarify what was in the room. Normally, there are 21 supervisors in the room. At this meeting, you had a couple of different supervisors who had said they had a hard stop at 11 and they had to leave. Now, some people were like, "Wow, well, well what, how could you leave before a vote was taken?" First of all, they they had said there wouldn't be a vote taken. Second of all, this was an emergency meeting called on Wednesday for Friday. All these supervisors made it work to do this meeting, but then most of the, a good chunk also have jobs. And the county board supervisor is not a full-time job. So they have to work around their schedules just like the rest of us might have to do. Um, So if they have a hard stop or other obligations, they are just going to have to leave in this case, especially when they don't expect to be making a vote. Ken Fisher was one of those people. Laura Vlis-Watacek was one. Those two supervisors had left by the time a vote was taken. Bob Boltman, a third supervisor, had no idea a vote was coming and had stepped out to use the restroom. Um, two other supervisors, Dan Osted and Dale Vogel, both did not vote either way. They, they said that they didn't have the information and weren't prepared to vote at that time um, one way or the other. So that takes five away. So you had 16. One of those 16 was dialed in by phone. So, and that was uh, Alexis Hein-Peter. She said she was in favor of a masking ordinance. But if you're doing a vote by show of hands... Obviously you can't do that. (laughs) Right. So that's some of the technological limitations. So that's like just your your ground rules of of how that even took place.
0: So if the if the vote had been taken taken and it was a little bit more clear that the board was in favor of pursuing a masking ordinance would anything different have happened at the end of the meeting than what happened uh when they voted not to pursue it or or seemed to vote that way would we be looking at uh, an ordinance being written up or would this you know still be tabled to the next meeting what would be different uh if the vote had been more clearly in favor of pursuing it
1: well let's say it's a 14-2 vote 15-1 vote 16-0 vote Then you're going to, I, I, you know, I I can't say for certain; it's speculation. But then you would probably have said, "Okay, we will formally instruct um, Grant Thomas, our corporate counsel." But for those not familiar, corporate counsel basically means you're the county's attorney um, to work with Sue Powers, the public health manager, to draft up an ordinance requiring a countywide masking ordinance. The way that conversation was going, I think that ordinance would probably be something along the lines of any indoor public place and any outdoor place where you can't viably socially distance. That's probably what they would have done afterwards. Now, the real impact was after they did this consensus vote, Grant Thomas had said, I'll talk to Sue Powers and we'll work on some language for this anyway, just to be prepared in case something moves forward. He didn't necessarily say like, we are going to draft an ordinance for your review, but it did sound like, all right, we're going to keep looking into the issue, sort of. So how different would it be? Maybe you'd have a formal ordinance coming before the public more rapidly so that, and it might be published more rapidly as it is now, like the soonest you might see something is like a month from now. And again, to be clear, there was no chance that they could have passed an ordinance at that meeting. It would have had to have been, no matter what, they would have still had to publish it and then have it up for public review and then have another meeting at which they would vote. So there was never any chance that you could have That now public health could make an order at any time, but given the tenuous legal standing of any of these orders, uh, based on the Supreme Court striking down Governor Evers' stay-at-home order in May, um, I I believe this is if if I were a public health officer, I would be hesitant to make an order without the backing of an elected body right now. Sure, and so I would guess that that is playing into the thinking. Of, and I don't have this like specifically from Sue Powers, but um, that would have to play into your thinking right now to determine. All right, am I going to do this? And then just because there is such a backlash, there is there are people who believe that even local public health departments are part of a new world order to control the populace, um, and that is that is a very real thing that that people in the medical world are now dealing with, both in the public health world and even doctors that. I've spoken to so it's it's a difficult place to be to execute what you hire that person to do so right that leaves store county in a position where I think this will probably just come this will come up again at the next county board meeting I would think no matter no matter what (laughs) happened
0: sure Well, and and just a little context, too. I mean, this is coming uh, the same week that Michigan has implemented their masking order statewide. Um, I just read today that Walmart is going to be requiring customers to wear masks in the store, which is kind of a big deal when you think about it being Walmart. Um, And it's good that this is going to come back. But when you think about the timeliness of this, like we might not be able to see this ordinance in the public until a month from now, like you said, what's the timeline on passing an ordinance like this? Is it, you know, a month, a month and a half, two months out? Like, what well, are the next steps for this?
1: Well, I think like the soonest you would, maybe they do emergency actions or something, but yeah, I would say it's probably a month. But I think in the, I do know that the county is, you know, that meeting ended. And after they took that that consensus poll, they some of the people who voted against issuing an order said, well, even if we're not doing that, let's—we really do got to get the message out that we support mass, and that we got to figure out a way to get more messaging out there through destination to our county and and other mechanisms to our visitors. Right. And which which struck me as a little bit disingenuous because you just had the opportunity to send a very strong message, <laughs> and you didn't. Like they, that is that is stronger than any marketing slogan. But um, in any case, there are some. There is a lot of work being done on the by the um, County Health Department, by the community coordinators of Door County, and by Destination Door County to get more messages out to visitors before they come here that, yes, we do support masks. Because unfortunately, local public television or local television stations in Green Bay ran with the story, sometimes saying things like, heading to Door County, you won't need to bring your mask. And that is not at all what the, the takeaway was intended to be even from those who were not in favor of passing an ordinance. So right. it's, um, it's, it was a, a an extremely complicated meeting to follow um, it, and also made more complicated to write about when something like that because you have a lot of things that the, the general public doesn't understand. And I know that if you're on those boards, you think, well, no, this is how it works. You're misunderstanding it. And it's like, I would push back and say like, you are doing a poor job of communicating what it means to the public. Right. In many cases. Well,
0: and and I will say there is there is some heightened messaging coming out of Destination Door County. Peninsula Filmworks put together another video for them last week. Uh, all that The basic messaging is if you're coming to Door County, here's how you can do it safely. Tips from Dr. Jim Heiss, from Sue Powers, from Ken Pabick. All kind of echoing the same sentiments about you know wearing a mask, social distancing, all of that kind of stuff. So it's good to see that messaging continue. But this, like you said, this definitely was maybe the biggest way to send that message. Uh, and it's it's unfortunate that that this happened to be so confusing. Uh, but but hopefully we're able to see things move forward on it, and uh, and we'll be looking at the story again very soon. Miles, is there anything well, else that people need to know?
1: Well, I I would also mention that like as soon as that meeting ended. My phone blew up. Business owners calling me, disappointed that there wasn't a masking ordinance. And these were business owners who are not like currently requiring masks in their business. Um, these are bars and hotels that know that they can't enforce it on their own. And we're really hoping the county would pass it. Right. But they are also not the p- kind of people who are going to go out and advocate it for it hardcore on their own because they, they don't want to deal with the incredible backlash that comes with it. And understandably, right. um, now if they if this comes up again, the sentiment might be different. On Monday and Tuesday, we had eleven new cases reported in Door County. Uh, Kiwanis County has seen their cases rise. The hospitalizations are still um, not growing yet, um, and so there's there's you know we're testing more, but how quickly does this get past the point where we can trace all of these? Um, I do know that. The health department is reporting that more cases are cases of community spread where they can't trace it back to its source of origin. So it's going to be harder and harder to trace all of these cases. Uh, And now they are truly all over the county: Sturgeon Bay, northern Door County, middle of Door County. There are cases popping up all over. So I know business owners are getting even more fearful of okay, when does it hit our staff? Um, And so uh, we haven't seen the numbers from Wednesday yet. We'll see, but if those continue to rise, and then that's concerning. What really yeah. would get concerning is if you start to see the hospital cases rise.
0: Well, and, and, and we should-
1: a, As we're trying to get schools open.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's the other thing. But we should we should also note that like, we hung out at relatively low cases for a long time. And to look at our positive cases right now, I believe it's 64 as of the time of our recording. to say like, we've gone this long with only 64 cases, that's still a good thing. Yeah, but at the same time, our numbers have basically doubled from the 30s in a matter of weeks after we held out for so long with those low numbers. So it's when you look at 64 over the months and months that this has been going on, sure, that might look okay. But when you look at the the amount that we've been getting in the last couple of weeks, that's where it starts to turn into like, okay, we need to do more than what we're doing. And Door County is already doing a really great job. I mean, a lot of businesses are... Uh, either requiring or heavily encouraging masks. There's great social distancing going on, but it it's obviously not enough, and and something something more needs to give in order to really kind of clamp down on this and keep our numbers as low as we can. Uh, of course, they're going to go up, uh, but we can we can keep this from you know reporting a hundred new cases in two weeks. You know what I mean? Like we can keep this uh, relatively low in our small community if we just have the support that we need to do it.
1: Well, and, and some people, and, and Joel Kitchens has argued that tests aren't important because you could get tested one day and then you're negative and then you then you catch it the next day. And what, what good is a mass number of tests? And here's where that's problematic argument. If you want to keep things humming along and not have people get scared and not have people get scared for their parents and to be the, the vector that spreads it around. As a business owner and a friend to other people, just in the last week with just this small rise in cases, it has been enough of a rise that it connects to a friend of a friend, a coworker of an employee spouse, a child of an employee. That's just like with within our office, you've had this thing and you can see very quickly how much it disrupts, okay, this person can't come into work, um, this person now lost childcare. this person um, is afraid for their family and infecting a parent or something like that. And we're a small office. <laughs> I like so I try to imba- imagine running a, a school in that way, um, right. and with hundreds of employees, and then everyone's kids in your care, and then you have to make those decisions with their with their kids in mind on every single right. one of those. Um, so what the the problem then becomes? All those questions become a lot easier if there are a ton of tests available and rapid turnaround of those tests. So. If those same questions happen, as it happens right now, that means okay, there's a five day turnaround for this person. That person said they were told they would get their test result in three days. It's now stretched to eight or nine. Um, they still can't come into the office. We're not comfortable with. The, and I'm not trying to put this on the employee. I'm trying to put it on us as like what what are we comfortable with? And that it just slows everything down and it disrupts right. your ability to serve. It disrupts your ability to open your doors. In our case, we're lucky because we don't have to open to the public, but. If you just have a test and we have consistency, if we knew even that you would have a two-day turnaround, it changes that whole equation. You just go, all right, go get tested. You're concerned. Go get the test and we'll have the result. Stay home one day, back in tomorrow. Like, or you know right away that you're positive and you stay home and you don't infect anybody else. It's like that, that simple. That's why the testing and the widespread availability and the quick turnaround of results is so important because it gets us back to a point where we can, we can function on a bit normal basis without everyone having to make these really complicated decisions on it like every day. <laughs> right,
0: well, I, I couldn't have said it better myself, Miles. Um, anything else that people need to know before we wrap up here?
1: Uh, that's it, I'll get off my soapbox now.
0: <laughs> I wouldn't call it a soapbox at this point. I, I would just say that you know things are, are confusing and trying to, trying to, to part the sea and, and find out what's actually happening and, and try to keep people as informed as possible is an important thing to do regardless of if you want to call it a soapbox or, or what have you. But uh, with that, Miles, I will let you go. Uh, we will talk more in the coming weeks as this continues to, to, to go on. Uh, but thank you so much for your time and I look forward to talking to you again soon.
1: All right, thank you, Andrew. Great
0: talking.